gorgeous souls. Welcome to the Soul Aligned Living podcast. I'm so excited to connect with you all. So go make yourself comfortable and settle in for some deep soul talk, high vibes and a good dose of laughter. So this is a sacred place that I've created where we're going to be talking about all things related to feminine leadership, spiritual entrepreneurship, money, energetics and soul purpose. My name's Alara Dawn and I'm a coach for feminine spiritual entrepreneurs who desire to expand to the next level of freedom, wealth, joy and pleasure. I help women take back their power, rewrite their stories and create soul-aligned lives and businesses. You can come and join me in the Awakened Feminine Soulpreneur group on Facebook that's free and I'd love to welcome you there. Or you can connect with me on Instagram, which is Pure Light Alara. You can also check out all the regular free, powerful, energetic activations and courses on my site, www.purelight1111.com. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I'm super excited to be connecting with you all again. This is going to be our first podcast. It's also going to be going up on YouTube. So... Um, I'm excited to introduce you to Sarah Williamson, and she is the founder of Drink Less and Live Better. She is a trauma-informed recovery coach and NLP practitioner, and she focuses on helping people really reassess their relationship with alcohol, um, look at behaviors, and really that identity shift as somebody that has gone from drinking to not drinking, and all the impacts that has in the different areas of their lives. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Lovely to be here today. So we had a bit of a chat before we joined on here as well, and I'm super excited for you to share a bit more about your story. And um, for those that are connecting in with us today, really, um, as we're coming into, this is I think, 30th of August, so, or what day? Yeah, yeah. So we're coming up to September, which is like that new fresh start into the last quarter. It feels new energy. We may well have had a busy summer where we're kind of drinking lots, and there's kind of been lots of excess. And often it gets to that, not necessarily rock bottom stage, but we kind of realize I maybe need to get back in the gym. I've not been looking after myself as well. Um, you know, I'm not looking after my skin or my body. Perhaps I've not been meditating. Everything goes like the routine goes. So that often offers an opportunity for a reset and a reassessment and potentially, okay, who do I want to be going into this new kind of like school year, should we say? And um, that can be also people that might be going back into offices, back into the, the workplace where there might be Friday drinks again and that culture's there, yet they might inside be ready for a shift and ready for a change. And you have had a background that you also worked in kind of more of a corporate city role and now you obviously have your own business. So you've kind of been there like me where we have the Fizz Fridays and, you know, it's very much drinking culture. So what was your aha moment? The turning point? Um, I knew that I wanted things to be very different for quite a while before I was ready to actually make the change. Um, I had all sorts of um, denial going on um, and um, I was tolerating my behaviour for such a long time. Um, probably really when I think about it, maybe five or six years, maybe even longer than that. Um, in 2019, I decided that I was going to do an experiment and that I was going to not have a drink for a whole year and take an opportunity to reassess, 
to see how things felt after that. And I fully expected to go back to drinking after that, actually. But here I am and I haven't done. Um, I knew that I was capable of doing a month without a drink um, really quite easily because I had done dry Januaries before, sober Octobers, always to prove a point to myself and to other people that I didn't clearly didn't have a problem with drinking. Um, but I was always desperate to get back to it after I had had a, had a break. Um, I didn't want to be that person anymore who got to the end of a holiday period, like, you know, the beautiful summer we've just had, and think that I needed a holiday to get over my holiday. I actually wanted to come away from periods of rest, feeling really re-energised, feeling Mm. ready for the next bit, really happy to progress and do the next thing that I was going to do, not feel like a sluggish, slow-moving tired being who really had just overdone it and didn't hadn't known when to stop um so my aha moment was much less one massive rock bottom I did not drink drive and crash my car I did not lose my job I did not blow up my relationship anything like that that we might consider to be a a rock bottom it was a series of realizations yes in those realisations, there were horrible hangovers, there were, you know, leaving the phone in the back of a taxi, there were all, all of those small things that you know are consequences of the action. Red flags. Yeah, red flags, definitely. But there wasn't one particular um, big blowout moment. I knew things were going to be different. I, I thought that 2020 was going to be my year without a drink. And so the autumn of 2019, I, I was starting to put the pieces of the jigsaw together in my head. I was thinking to myself, OK, how am I going to tell my friends? How am I going to break this to my husband? People are going to tell me, you haven't got that much of a problem. You're no worse than the rest of us. You don't wake up and pour vodka on your cornflakes. I knew all of that stuff was going to be put to me. So I was preparing myself and I was spending that autumn reading some books, listening to some inspiring podcasts, trying to find people who are a few steps ahead of me on, on that kind of journey and wondering how they had done it. And then one day I wondered why I was waiting until the 1st of January. Because mm. you know, That's starting the diet on Monday, isn't it? What am I waiting for? Yeah, of course it is. Not now. I didn't have any other thing in my life that I could point to and say, oh, look, this was my best New Year's resolution I ever had. I've stuck to it for the rest of my life since. Of course I didn't. Um, and so by the beginning of December, I thought, oh, no. I suddenly recognised that I was stalling for time and actually the only moment for me was right now and that I was being ridiculous. I I was making excuses, I was fed up of my own stuff and it was the 8th of December 2019 where I just said, okay, that's it, done. I'd I'd had a couple of drinks, I had a few G&Ts the night before but I, I wasn't wrecked, I didn't have a massive hangover. And I thought to myself, okay, I've got X, Y and Z big Christmas parties coming up. I've got a night at the comedy club. You know, if I can get through Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, wrapping the presents, Boxing Day, 
New Year's Eve, if I can do all of those things right up front without a drink, then I actually know that I'll be really well set for 2020 without a drink. So I really started before I was ready. I really did think, okay, I'm just going to go into this and look to make progress, to build on something. Perhaps I I won't be perfect immediately um, and that will be okay. I had had a period through, through that autumn, I'd cut down my drinking significantly and I'd got to a place where I was really, really capable and happy about moderating my drinking. Were you drinking daily or was it more like wait till the weekend? Or? Yeah, not by then. I'm, I might have had a G&T on a Thursday night and then I might have um, drunk on a Friday and Saturday night previously in a much bigger way and perhaps I might have had a glass of wine every night during the week as well. But by that point, I was only ever drinking when I went out and I was only ever drinking two glasses of wine at a time. So... A lot of people would say, well, what was the problem? No problem. Yeah. And and so by that point, the problem was was very definitely mine. And the problem was, this isn't good enough for me. It absolutely isn't good enough. I knew by then the harm that alcohol potentially could be doing to me. And I wasn't prepared to accept it anymore. So my some of my friends did struggle because they'd seen me cut it down so significantly couldn't understand why I would want to be so extreme in cutting it out for a year but you know I brought them on board with that promise of you know it's an experiment and it's only for a year and of course by the time a year had passed they'd forgotten that I'd promised it was for a year so yeah interesting isn't it how you even felt any need to get their permission to be able to do something with your life that is positive and would help your health. I mean, this is kind of, you know, where we are kind of pulling our power back. It's like actually like this personal autonomy. Like if I decide tomorrow to do whatever with my body or my health, that's my choice. And it's so interesting how we are so influenced by family you know, workplaces, you know, our colleagues fitting in, it's more about who we've been in those boxes to be part of those groups. And it takes a real kind of like inner strength to go, regardless of anything else, I have to listen to this in my heart, the inner authority, I'm getting the warning signals, I'm not feeling myself, I know I can't be my full potential, if I continue operating at this level. And it kind of Dump, you know dims your light it's a contraction of energy isn't it when you say yes to somebody else but no to yourself mm-hmm. and how did you find that affected your your relationship with your husband because you've got two children haven't you yeah yeah I've got two and children. how old were they at the time um so they would have been um 12 and oh, 10 and 11 or 11 and 12 um so they're 14 and 15 now um so they grew up with me drinking a lot when they were younger. Um, My husband, when I said to him that I was going to do the year without alcohol, he, it it wasn't any kind of big conversation. He sort of said, oh, okay, you know, great, do do whatever you you need to do. he has also done dry Januaries in the past, you know, he, he, 
I suppose a couple of times has um, asked, you know, deeper questions about it. You know, we've had great conversations about it. Um, but actually, he it, it doesn't affect our relationship, the way we have fun together, the things that we do together. Um, I, I think I am... Um, a much more fun person on a night out you know I'd, I'd got to the stage when I was drinking too much that I would either fall asleep halfway through an evening or have to go to bed um, or become way too much on a dance floor and need to be the last person there and so I'm so much more predictable in a really nice in a comfortable way um, and I think he's grateful for that yeah and what about um, we talked earlier about kind of all of the, and it's interesting, the British culture. So growing up, I'm nearly 42, so it was like the rite of passage is the, you know, getting the drinks, sitting in the park or at the beach and having your drinks. Then it's like getting into the pub and then it's like, you know, going to the city and it's the cocktails and it's going to all these new places. And it becomes really ingrained in how, what's acceptable in society for letting your hair down, just how you have fun, how you bond, how you connect with other people. It's always involving alcohol. And um, how did you kind of find that it affected maybe even your social life? Did you kind of, ex you know, these kind of rites of passage and how we live our lives, whether it's at work, community, kind of connecting and bonding, or it's what we do with our friends. How did you kind of make those kind of changes? Um, well, it happened in different ways in different friendship groups. So um, my local friends who all happen to be parents of similar um, age children as myself, um, what I had never realised previously was I was the instigator of the big nights out. Um, so why was the same? <laughs> and, and, and the last one on the dance floor and all of it. Oh yeah, yeah, completely. And, and so it was fuel. I was fueling, fueling that desire of nights out. You know, sh dinner here or drinks there or whatever yeah. the thing was. And actually, because I do enjoy the company of these people, and they are the loveliest friends. Over time, where now I'm more inclined to say, shall we go for brunch or shall we? do this particular stretch of the South Downs way or do a particular dog walk or whatever. Pe people say yes to whatever the activity presented to them is. So in in three years, nobody has said to me, we haven't had a mad night out in three years. No, Nobody wants because we enjoy our company. We enjoy the things we do. The, the point of getting together now is, is always the conversation and being in that beautiful position where we chat about stuff and then the next time we see each other we follow up on it we see where we're at with that well, thing. present and can listen yeah and of course on big nights out the object of the exercise we might say it's something else but of course is actually doing a lot of drinking and everybody blacks out at some point and you don't remember the deep and meaningful conversations that you had you don't follow up carefully and check that people really are okay um so that kind of social socializing is different now with my london friends my ex-colleagues um my way of seeing them since i've left working in london has been to go up to london for a day i might do one of the galleries in the morning i might see a matinee in the afternoon then hook up we go straight used to go straight for cocktails then for a drink somewhere then 
you know, for dinner and always be on the last train home. And yeah. one of my friends always used to have to ring me the ch- the train stop before my stop to make sure that I was awake to be, you know, I put that responsibility on somebody else to look out for me at that time of night. It was ridiculous. I was a grown up, clearly not acting like a grown up. Um, and now we might still go for drinks and we might still almost certainly go out for dinner but actually those friends have stopped you know have stopped drinking in the same way as well um and so that feels really nice because now I end up sometimes asking myself the question was I the problem in the group you know would other people ever have drank so much if I hadn't have been almost alcohol pushing on them I, I suspect I might have been um, and for me to step around, away from it now has either given other people to do this opportunity to do the same and feel good about it. I don't mind if anybody drinks around me. I don't. I don't have an issue. Yeah. No, none at all. Um, but it is really nice um, when you do have those lovely sober connections where you know, you are able to talk about the things that really matter. And that I think that follow up thing is so important with friends, you know, when a couple of days later, you are, you know, you do remember the stuff that has gone on that has been said, and you can come back and um, check in people really totally value that. And I value it the other way around. So that's been a fact. I think it's I think COVID obviously brought so many opportunities for people to reflect but they didn't you know it's like okay the numbing of the isolation of the frustration of all of these things meant that a lot of people got into habits and maybe haven't been able to unravel them it also meant perhaps some people that wanted to be sober curious or explore could because they were not involved in the obligatory friday night with friends i know certainly with the changes that i made um even when kind of you know a decade ago i went back made a decision that I would start retraining so as a clinical therapist and in gestalt therapy and that meant my weekends would have been going to uni and you know my priorities changed I couldn't stay out till one o'clock in the morning drinking on a Friday night if I had uni on the Saturday so instantly as soon as I stepped into my kind of sole purpose self-improvement making what was really important for me a priority that group of friends completely dropped because really the glue that held us together was this kind of like you know heightened kind of partying and lots of excess and you know dinners and of course it was loads of fun but I couldn't have done both and the same goes for the work that I do now you know the level of energy work the priestess has to keep the clear channel the priestess my energy is my currency it's it's that pristine energy and if I was drinking now my vibration would drop and I wouldn't be able to do any of the energetic work I do for at least 10 days. So if you've had trauma, your energy field has like gaping holes in it. So, you know, there's many levels to this. And I guess it took probably over a decade of me saying further yes to myself, i.e. studying, changing my routines and everything. And it was 2015 that I stopped. And that was like a overnight, but I became vegan at the same time. So it was like literally everything switched and that was very much like a soul intervention with how my path switched up um but I was obviously ready yes and um and I was also ready at that point knowing that my why and the driver in inside of me was so fueled up 
that I was ready to allow everything to drop and be let go, including people that weren't in alignment with my, you know, who I was actually truly here, you know, to be without, you know, fitting into boxes and groups and all the rest of it and holding myself back. If they didn't accept me for me and, you know, allow me to live my most vibrant, healthy experience of life, then they're not people that I want in my life. So it's about really like raising my standards with who I surround myself with. The levels of, you know, energetics, like what's it like to be around people that are still numbing themselves? Like I haven't really got a lot of um, desire. Certainly I don't have anyone in my friendship groups like that um, because, it, you know, it, it, it's part of that kind of um, initiation to go inwards when we recognize that something's not working. We want more for ourselves in our lives. You know, sometimes somebody does need the rock bottom experience. Sometimes you know, others, it's about just generally having, you know, new hobbies or interests or new friendship groups that show you new ways, like there is no cookie cutter. Um, and I think, you know, recognising that I also saw the demographic in the city. When I first moved to London, I was 21. And I remember seeing these guys who were probably 55, 60, um, still in finance, functioning alcoholics, on their second divorces, they weren't happy. And, you know, three o'clock was down the pub time. That was them having coffee. And obviously that kind of had a clear up process, but it was just this accepted pathway. You know, it's like there is any, I remember going into London, um, I think it was after the first lockdown and the hairdressers had opened up and I ended up meeting someone in the city and they were saying that pubs had opened, those old boys club pubs, um and a lot of people were still deliberately going into the office just so they could go back to their cronies in the pubs because it allowed them to keep that kind of functioning alcoholic thing going with all their crowd that supported that and I just thought wow bear in mind like it was a ghost town it was so interesting that it was the pubs that could still open and um you know the ones that are in the little back streets you know tiny little things and I thought, gosh, you know, it's just showing this kind of endemic thing of having to escape yourself, having to escape your life, you know, having to escape and numb from the job, but think that that's normal. Yeah. And it's like I've achieved so much more by not drinking, you know, whether it's launching my business, whether it's all of these things, it's, it's only been a positive. But I don't look back at my experiences with like beating myself up because it's all part of the experience the journey and and I recognize that it's like chapters yeah. and you know also I think we get our, our red flags and warning signs so I think at around 25 I knew I could not drink vodka anymore um so that became a stop drinking vodka then it becomes like gradually you get these red flags that tell you different things that your body's just not going to metabolize anymore um and, you know, the hangovers, I remember at times I was in the city, I used to go, my gym had a sleep pod. So I was in that work hard, play hard kind of culture. And I had this pretty cool gym and I would go for an hour in the sleep pod and then go and have a shower. And it was like salt vinegar crisps, diet coke, back on the desk, then probably back out in the evening. And obviously at 25, 26, you can do that. But slowly the things, it was catching up with me. And I was getting the hangovers that would last, you know, like all day on a Sunday and you might be being sick or whatever. And I remember sitting to myself thinking, you know, I've created one side of my life in one way and it's thriving. 
and it's almost like I have this outlet <laughs> and it's like I don't want to have this polarity going on it's like why do I need to have this bit and it was only really that when I started you know doing the deeper work that you don't need the crutches I didn't need that pattern in my life I, I you know realized that this was a reflection of kind of shadow that I'd not looked at but it was in a society that supported it yeah. so you know there was no way that you know many others certainly none of those that I was surrounded by would be questioning in that way um because there was never any reason you didn't really have any other role models around you that were you know really kind of highlighting the challenges and we talked earlier about um you know the memory loss and the red flags and the things that we think are normal with you know a hangover or whatever else do you want to share your experience mm. with your your story with your children yeah I, I I do remember having this particular um evening and it would have been a Friday night and there was a particular series that my husband and I were watching um on the television at the time and it would have been about nine o'clock and I'd have been three quarters of a bottle of wine in or whatever. And I had this moment where the boys were bouncing in and out of the sitting room and between the kitchen and whatever, doing whatever they were doing. We hadn't put them to bed yet. And I thought to myself, everything in this house is everything I ever dreamed of. I have a lovely job, two gorgeous boys a dog, a husband, we live in a lovely town um, near the countryside. This is everything. And I had this moment where I almost physically stopped and looked at the glass of wine in my hand and thought to myself, what am I drinking to escape from? <laughs> if everything is in these four walls, what what is it? What is my problem? Um, and I think it is those little moments that put of, of course let me tell you I finished the glass of wine I finished the bottle no doubt about it. I didn't go deep in in that precise moment but I do remember having the thought and it bringing something up in me where yes I knew something needed to be different but I wasn't prepared in that moment to do anything different and the question that kept coming back to me was one around um how do I create the life that I don't need alcohol to escape from? So mm. if what my life was, if on the, those Friday nights, essentially I was feeling knackered on a Friday night. By the time, you know, I was working in youth offending at the time, I had a job that, oh, the irony, you know, spent loads of time talking to young people about their addiction um, issues of court, drugs and alcohol, never once for a single second considering my own alcohol consumption in those moments. Yeah. Um, and actually, I had never been able to pull together the stream of ideas that when we are tired, better responses to tired, there, sorry, there are better responses to being tired than drinking a bottle of wine on a Friday night and then having the most appalling sleep waking up on Saturday still feeling tired and then grumpy and groggy and actually what I want to do is spend time with my lovely family and my friends at the weekend when I'm feeling less than fabulous about myself that isn't the way forward so those moments that happened I suppose over a series of years that are, that are memories that I've banked. I think consciously lots of people are having these types of memories mm. and then pushing them away because they don't want to 
consider the impact of a life without alcohol you know all of the ways that I certainly thought I was going to be miserable boring lonely all of the the stuff I had thoughts about my physical health I knew for sure that I wasn't doing myself any favors with my drinking I was I suppose I was trying to mitigate it in part you know I was doing yoga I was running um, I was drinking the green smoothies I was taking the supplements I was doing the meditating doing all of these lovely things that I had added in but refusing to consider taking one thing out how much easier would it be to take one thing out than keep on adding stuff in um and certainly you know I I knew cognitively I was questioning all sorts of things that was were going on in my brain um and I remember one morning having a really dizzy spell at the top of the stairs and feeling for a moment like I might have fallen down the stairs and, and wow. doing that. But thinking, mm, if I didn't have a hangover right now, I would be experiencing this morning in a completely different way. Um, so the the lit- now looking back, these were all different seeds that were planted over a period of time. You know, if I could go back in time, yes, probably. I would like to shorten that period of time of thinking about stopping drinking and just doing it. Doing it, yeah. But like you, you know, I don't feel regret about, you know, what's gone on in the past. All of what's gone on in the past has led me to where I am right now. So I'm glad to have made the choice when I did. um, And I'm really glad to stick with that choice. And I think it's such a powerful one you know, I I don't think you have to go into it and say, right, this is my day and I'm stopping drinking for the rest of my life. Because for some people that is too much of a deal. You should definitely pick out the thing at the beginning that feels really good for you. You know, you, you want to go into this and say, okay, this is a really positive life choice. This is going to be brilliant for my emotional, my physical, my mm-hmm. spiritual well-being. I'm going to try it for whatever your initial thought is, a month, three months, six months. And I think that's the power of having the conversation with somebody because often in our heads we're trying to logistically work it all out, but we're not seeing the bird's eye picture and we're not also thinking that sometimes it's easier to add good things in and then strip back something new like if you are gonna you know start cutting back on booze it's useful to ensure that you maybe go and look at your gut health and you know look at your supplements so that you know because it's all linked to brain chemistry and mood and all of those things so it's like okay how can I kind of set myself up for success how can I um, perhaps look at some tweaks in my diet that, you know, my blood sugar levels is a really powerful thing to be looking at if you're cutting out alcohol. Um, you know, do I need to do a liver cleanse? And, you know, starting to also, the non-alcoholic drinks are amazing. So, like, actually, if it's like, I, I went out to a, a group recently and the guy was getting all excited when I was telling him I don't drink alcohol and we were talking about my cocktail that I had um, because he would swap. He'd have, like, one normal D&T and one you know, seed lip or whatever the brand was. Um, and that is a really good way. Like, how can you on a work night out 
not drink like the non-alcoholic beers are actually not actually that bad they're pretty good like i think the zero percent peroni or something i had the other day um you can find alternatives you're not stuck with orange juice and diet coke and you know supply and demand like it's nearly seven years i've not drank but if i obviously in london there's a it's the hub it's where everything's going to be experimental change there's lots of options for hotels or restaurants will do you something you know with a nice selection all these botanical things so if it's actually like worried about what am I sat there drinking or I'm going to be missing out, no one will notice. Mm-hmm. Nobody will know. And there's some really good um, brands now for like non-alcoholic champagne. I actually had a really good one. And champagne was actually, champagne and gin were my two drinks by the end. And it might well have been, I can't remember what else. It's such a long time ago now. But those kind of things, you know, if I could have a, a glass of fizz that tastes nice or something I don't feel like I'm missing out and quite frankly I'm kind of past all of that anyway but for somebody in the early stages that's wanting to make different choices like I work with a lot of people that are you know if you're in a startup or you're you know a founder of something or you're launching a business you need to be laser focused you need your energy to be at optimal levels so going out and drinking in any capacity is actually going to take the eye off you know you're off the ball basically so it's like actually if I can swap for these things and still be social and still have that going on that's setting myself up for success without sacrifice because I think one of the big consciousness shifts is around I have to give up something if I you know it's like this sacrifice energy and actually it puts you into overflow overflow of energy if energy is your currency and that's what you show up and you're going to have the biggest impact and it's going to affect everything you're touching and people's responses to you if drinking something lowers that frequency that you're doing everything else in the rest of your life to try and raise Mm -hmm. that's a massive blind spot that can be tweaked so even if it's like okay I've got the pitch tomorrow so you know I'll have the non-alcoholic beer tonight it's like sometimes those little swaps and then you realize actually what am I holding on to obviously we're talking about habitual kind of drinking rather than you know, at the addiction level, and that is a very different kind of conversation. But are there any other things that you, obviously you coach people that are sober curious or wanting to make changes? What are the top five things that you would um, offer as, you know, guidance to somebody that wants, like considerations um, to set themselves up for success if they're wanting to explore that? Yeah, well, one of the first things sort of relates very much to what you've just been saying about what you stand to gain not what you stand to lose Mm. Um, and I would say specifically if if you were thinking of you know going out drinking after work on you know whatever day it creeps forward to you know maybe it's a Thursday maybe it's a Wednesday whatever when you show up and you're working in somebody else's business with a hangover that is one thing when you're showing up and working for yourself with a hangover there is only one person that you are cheating in that why you do it um so yes certainly what do you stand um to to gain rather than thinking of it as as some kind of loss I think it's really important to get out all of those limiting beliefs around what have you used alcohol for previously, what are um, the feelings that either you want to deny um, or eliminate or what have you been tolerating in your life that you would like now to get a bit of clarity around. So talking through um, the feelings is and the emotions and of course these things are more difficult more challenging to have a look at with a sober set of eyes on 
Um, that's two things. Um, thirdly, I would say um, overwhelm is a big thing for people drinking because of too much in their life. So where where are the places that we can strip stuff back around? Where are our commitments in life that we're giving such a lot of ourselves to perhaps friends, family, you know, employees? Mm-hmm. So boundaries. Boundaries. How do we take back? How do we really start to live that, design that life that feels amazing to show up in? Um, certainly, I would say as well, a really important thing for my clients is accountability. So we um, coach, we meet up once a week on Zoom and um, have a coaching session. But in between times, there's daily accountability. So that that day when you've got that wedding, that Friday night, all you know, there'll always be a reason as to why somebody will say, oh, I can't start just now I've got to wait until after the thing well actually if you've got somebody holding your hand who's walked or before yeah got all of the stuff and really then that's four or five I would say really embrace that that alternative drink scene as well so if you are in a place where you feel like you know such a lot is about that selfie holding that glass of fizz in that wedding photo or you know that social event whatever the thing is have that non-alcoholic version you can still you know be you in that event having the loveliest time and certainly I would say that for me now um I used to always describe myself as an extrovert and now um a few years in I would say that I'm only just starting to get really comfortable with the fact that I recognize I'm much more introverted than I thought I was I'm now accepting that I'm really happy in smaller groups of people, having much more meaningful conversations and being around other people who aren't plastered because actually, you know, come eight o'clock, half past eight, nine o'clock at a party, there starts to become this massive energetic shift. And actually, that's the point now where either I want to be hanging out with the sober people at the party or forming my own party elsewhere or and getting a really great night's sleep and starting to examine those benefits you know part as part of that fifth point you know of I would say the physical and emotional benefits of choosing not to drink come in thick and fast that better sleep that nice glowy skin that thicker hair coming back you know emotionally feeling much more steady more stable and then spiritually after that you know the other benefits that keep on coming so yes those would be my five things and I think if I reflect back um I was a client relationship manager when I was in finance so there was a level of organizing client events there was client dinners and what was so interesting is I remember when because obviously I was studying and in finance and and I really stopped drinking in the week and I put a lot of focus into improving myself my own self-development and I remember thinking to myself okay just because I have this job nobody can pay me enough to make my health suffer and to make me drink so I started organizing client events and I remember actually I mean there was one event that was a garden party and no kidding it was equivalent of actually it was at a wedding venue as well in the city and it was actually the kind of same capacity as if you had a wedding full day, you know, loads and loads of people there. And, you know, we even had like mojito making and all these. Different. 
And I just incorporated a non-alcoholic element to everything. So there were activities, there were things that kept people, you know, occupied. And also there was this element that, you know, there was definitely food there. It was not all drink focused. And even at that time, when I spoke to clients, some of them were like, we've got 13 kids amongst five of us. The last thing we want is to be drinking. We actually are really focused on finishing our work, getting out earlier. We appreciate that, like, you want to take us out, whatever. We would rather that you just, you know, did the job. And if there's an issue, you jump on it and resolve it straight away for us, which we know you do. And we love you for that. But we're not interested in the drinking thing. So I even noticed, and that was probably, gosh, how many years ago was that? I would say that that was about seven years ago, if not longer, seven to nine years ago. So already I was making changes in how I was working because I was like, you know, I've got a really intense job. I'm facing off to all these clients then I'm studying as well. Hangover doesn't really correlate with any of this, but also, you know, my, my clients, I need to think about them because there's this other element of, we assume that they want to be wined and dined and all the rest of it, but actually they've got families, they've got their own health, but nobody talks about it. It's this almost like unspoken obligatory way of doing business, you know, and bonding over drinks. And I get it, like it's fun. It's like, but ultimately, like most people would rather have more time to themselves, you know, more space in their day to be able to have a break, quite frankly. And, you know, not necessarily be expected to get up and commute and have a hangover or whatever the next day just because of work things you know because these events would end really really late you'd only have like four or five hours sleep and then go back to work and I personally can't function at all like that so um you know and I don't think many can we just run on adrenaline and you know all the other issues and health issues pop up later on but yeah I think for those that are in that kind of environment where you get to be the change. And for those that are thinking about workplace wellness, this is a big consideration, like where people are going to be choosing who they want to work with. If you're an employer where you think that having like the beer trolley and the, you know, the football table, whatever else is like the um, benefits package, consider that like the newer generation are not drinking, the newer generation are choosing different priorities. So if that's the case, how do you appeal from a more health you know, total wellness perspective, like mental, physical, spiritual um, health in your workplaces so that it actually means that, you know, nobody's feeling left out or that they have to drink to fit in. And that also becomes a cultural change to some of these more boots club arenas where, you know, it's literally keeping up with the little crew that are drinking and that's where the bonding and that's where the deals are done and that's where you bond with the, you know, the higher seniority managers I mean, that that whole, like, kind of ethos and culture, it's not going to fly for many more years. Mm-hmm. So, like, be the forward-thinking, like, employer. Be the forward-thinking individual who offers new solutions and suggestions. And, and I think that's a big thing. Like, we shouldn't just sit here and think, well, I'm just waiting for my culture at my organisation to change. Use your voice. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if it's not working for you anymore, this is the time of sovereignty. This is the time where you know, you raise it, if it doesn't get listened to, then find another job. Yeah, yeah. You know, and to sit in a role where you feel that you do not have the body autonomy to thrive and succeed because the culture supports a very different dynamic, it's telling you something's not right. So there's going to be so many like red flags and markers in our environments, but sometimes 
we put up with it because we're in this scarcity mindset that there's no other option. That is the problem, the scarcity mindset of what am I going to lose? There won't be anything out there for me, the fear-based stuff. But actually, all of that is energetic. All of that is belief system. And when we shift that perspective, if you can't alchemize and change the situations you're in, and that includes the relationships, the friendships, or whatever else, to accept your own growth, it means it's time for you to move forward because that environment or that relationship or whatever is not growing with you. It doesn't serve you anymore. And I think this is a big mindset shift. I think the younger, and I say younger generation, I mean like uh, teenagers into early 20s, they have a very different perspective of what they're even interested in and a bit more zero tolerance. Like I'm just not, you know, I'm not going to bother going to that role because I'm not going to have an environment where I'm working 12 hour days, not interested in it. And it's not necessarily I don't want to do hard work. It's just like, that's just not the, the life I desire. And, and I think that when we start to realize that there are options and it doesn't have to be the old path and actually you can either change it from the inside or you just go off and create something different. And I think that's the power. And I think, you know, health or a spiritual kind of awakening or some kind of shift, doesn't matter where the catalyst is, that's divinely perfect, but the support's there and there are people that can help you see a different perspective they are those few steps ahead like you said um and yeah i think it's somebody that's already walked that path somebody that's done that inner alchemy made those changes and that's the kind of conversation you can help with them as well when they're, they're curious because yeah. you know we've talked about quite a lot of the kind of so the social there's a lot of bits and pieces out there but for the guy that's in his you know corporate role that might not be an option for him in those kind of groups and actually from a confidentiality perspective I know with a lot of my clients they would rather be working one-to-one to go in to do the deeper stuff just because it's the first time they've also been very vulnerable about doing that kind of sharing and self-awareness so you know you offer coaching is it three-month programs yes yeah I just work with people over um, three months um, that 90 day period, 90 days to 100 days, being able to safely kind of cross that line and celebrate that line, that that feels very often like a really amazing starting point for then the next bit. And certainly, uh, interestingly, you you saying about what younger people will and won't tolerate in, in the workplace now, there's going to come that that point at which people say, oh, hang on a minute, these people aren't drinking. That is a massive asset to our organisation. Mm. I spent this summer um, volunteering around lots of different music festivals and she's had her arm bitten off left, right and centre because she has put on her volunteer application forms that she doesn't drink. Well, guess what? Thanks very much. You're going to be a massive asset to us instead of we might lose you at some point. Oh, yeah, I mean, at the festival, it's a bit like you get your free ticket and then yeah. you just disappear off. They're not working. I mean, they're never yeah. going to find you at Glastonbury, are they? Yeah. I, can, I can kind of see it in that role. But I mean, you know, in environments where you're, you know, a manager, you're a change maker, you're maybe public speaking, you're in front of clients, turning up half cut, I just don't think it flies anymore. I just think, personally, anyway, I mean, of course, there's always going to be pockets that support that but I just feel like there is a big evolution in in really just how it's viewed and I guess there is a level of you know maybe the shame and element but the culture has supported 
um, that kind of environment. So it's not just like the person's bad or anything like that. It's not being polarized. It's accepting that what maybe worked in the past doesn't anymore. And we need to be open to creating the change rather than shaming people or bringing up guilt or anything like that, because it doesn't serve any of us. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great if somebody is, you know, young and they're navigating things like festival sober. I mean, certainly if I think back to my kind of like, when was I? I went to Glastonbury for the first time at the festival when I was 19 and then 20. There was no way I would have gone there for a whole week sober. Like that just wouldn't have been possible. You know, I just wouldn't have even been in my kind of stratosphere. So, um, you know, I think hats off. I think it's amazing. And I just think that is showing us the consciousness shift that is already happening amongst those that are younger. And, you know, when we're not fully switched on because we are drinking, we haven't got access to the full spectrum of our intuition, of seeing the red flags, of trusting our inner navigational system, because we're not fully anchored in when we're, you know, running like that. And culturally, it's supported that we've been running like that. So we have to be the ones that, you know, invite another pathway. It's not demonizing one, because I don't think there's too many uh, beneficiaries for people to be drinking, for it to just stop. But it's about it being okay to have the personal authority to choose whatever path you desire. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would say a part of that, you know, for me in the beginning did feel like being brave and bold. It felt like I was an outlier. Mm. I was having to justify my behaviour. It felt like left right and center in the beginning um and actually of course it doesn't continue like that of course it doesn't um but I, I think other people around me um struggled to think how I was going to cope with my own new way of being but they didn't know what was going on inside my head that I was ready for this change I was ready to be somebody slightly different it came to the point where what I was thinking and what I was saying wasn't quite matching up with how I was behaving. Mm. And so that recognition of, you know, these are the things that I want to talk about. This is the person who I'm becoming. I'm actively thinking about things in a new way. It is a behaviour that needed to change. And, and what happiness, what joy is found you know, in that alignment, then when you get to that point where you go, oh, yes, actually, finding the language that really suits you. Are you a non drinker? Are you, are you sober? Are you just choosing not to drink for the time being? You know, are you just having a break f from it for your w wellness? F whatever the, the thing, it, you know, the, the words that feel good to you, finding those that language kind of shifting through all of the different words picking out what feels really good and then being able to express yourself to other people where you're not apologetic about it yeah know? definitely oh you know. I think one of the only things where uh people are more suspicious about why you don't drink mm. than if you do, it's more accepted to yeah. sink two bottles of wine and be absolutely hammered and life and soul of the party and a big story and all the anecdotes and all the craziness than it is to say, actually, yeah, I, I just stopped drinking and, you know, 
it was my choice. I had, you know, loads of things to focus on and that's it. And there's an element of um, it's a really good way to identify, especially with new people. If you're out in the dating world, single, that becomes a new navigational thing as well. Um, sober dating, sober relationships, um, because you get to really access your sacred yes and sacred no and boundaries and recognizing um, what will happen is when somebody comes in with a very different way of living, it will often trigger, obviously, all these questions and trigger things within someone else. So if somebody is getting dramatically triggered by the fact that whatever your reason is, it's more about them. And when we realize that it's often their own projections, their own buttons have been pressed because it might, you know, be a bit of a raw nerve and not making it about you yes and I think that's the key thing like we often have unknowingly because it's this tribe and following mentality wanted to fit in mm. and we've fitted in through drinking and that's just been a bonding thing so to say you're not yeah. it's like okay well actually I'm comfortable with that yes it's getting really comfortable with yourself it's like kind of a big dramatic uh I love myself statement yeah really yeah absolutely and, and if somebody can't accept that you get a lot of feedback you know if you're on a date and somebody it shows their level of emotional intelligence it shows their level of um, ability to listen to you um, and to ha listen to people with differing opinions because they're going to show you that all straight off mm -hmm. so you kind of get actually I always say you know people show you who they are yeah so you don't need to you know justify yourself for validation to somebody else but ultimately, if, if my choices and decisions are being thrown back at me, that's about that person and that there's no space in my experience, in my inner circle, to have someone like that in my life. And, you know, that really brings, especially for women, into our power. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so potent and so powerful for, you know, us to make choices, especially over like lockdown the past few years. There are going to be a lot of relationships that were held together by threads. They were held together by the fact that, you know, passing ships in the night, off in their busy jobs, distracted, they've come together and suddenly it's like that relationship is either going to have to go through massive alchemy so we can grow or it comes apart. So if one has suddenly done the soul growth, so suddenly maybe they've improved their life, they've changed jobs, they've, whatever the priorities have shifted and the others hasn't, actually this can also be another thing through the kind of changes around drinking and self-care and um really soul path is what it's kind of connected into that can also create discord so we're at a time where you know we're moving out of this old pattern of obligation where we have to stay in the relationship that doesn't suit us or in the relation in the job that you know isn't a fit we're not obligated to be staying in this stuff anymore and the same goes with our relationship with ourselves we get to alchemize that we no longer need to be holding on to the past like it's you know, identifying with it like it's actually our worthiness. Um, and the same goes with drinking. Like, yeah. we get we get to choose to rebirth ourselves again, again, again. And we don't need anyone else's permission to do that. Mm -hmm. And those that are meant to be along the rest of the journey with us, they get the invitation. It's like we step up and grow together or we naturally evolve apart. And, mm -hmm. and it's kind of recognizing that it's our relationship to everything. And, and we've had a relationship with alcohol. Some people might have had relationships with drugs, you know, all of it. It's, it's served its purpose. 
but it's like does that relationship need to continue now we're going through this big evolution which is moving us to something better but there's that deconstruction process isn't there where there's the letting go process and the, the grieving of the identity of who I thought I was as being the life and soul of the party and the everything else but it's it's the rebirthing into something better something yeah. new yeah absolutely I agree well thank you so much for having this chat I've really really enjoyed it and I will share in the show notes all of your connections and you've also got a podcast and how people can reach out to you if they are you know interested in having a conversation and exploring because I think that's the thing sometimes it's like a non-judgmental conversation that is might just be even be like it allows them to help kind of process their own thoughts and ideas and that helps them make a decision and I think sometimes that's something that you said about collapsing time you wish you hadn't spent so long mulling it over and putting it into the future that could really help somebody and you know obviously you're there to offer that support thank you so much it's been a pleasure thank you for having me take care bye thank you for listening today gorgeous souls and if you're enjoying the soul line living podcast i'd be so grateful if you would give it a review that would be absolutely amazing thank you to you all and look forward to sharing the next episode with you very soon take care bye bye